listening to the Paul McGuire report on Paul McGuire. We're going to take a look at some important current event uh, trends. Why? Because the current event trends that we're going to observe together give us a pretty accurate read on where our society, where our families, where our nation, and yes, where our churches are going. We are not in a static situation. We are not frozen in time. We are a society that is highly fluid. It's in motion. And it's fluid because there's no rigidity in it. And by that, I don't mean that in a, in a bad sense. Uh, I don't mean that in a counterproductive, anti-growth sense. I mean it in the sense of when a society like America is sociologically and spiritually healthy, it is, it is fluid. It's, it's mobile. It, it moves. It, it reacts. It's, most of all, it's dynamic. And dynamic is the key word here. When an individual is productive, like you and me and many of the people we know, when an individual is productive, it's because that individual is responsive to external stimuli. That means it's not frozen. That means it's not stuck. If you're in the middle of a war zone, and and by the way, every one of us are in the middle of perhaps one of the greatest war zones uh, in all of human history. If you're in the middle of a war zone, and I would venture to say we are all in the middle of a war zone, what that means is that we can only be victorious in that war. And I'm talking about a law-abiding and peaceful war. We can only be victorious in that war to the degree that we can react quickly and intelligently. A military, an army, soldiers, military technology, when you're involved in a life or death conflict with whatever entity or military you might want to bring up, if you and the people that have gathered with you are stuck, and I'm using that word with great intentionality, if, if we're stuck, we are paralyzed from growing, paralyzed from reacting, and paralyzed from being fluid. So, two things can happen. We become blinded and hardened to the massive transformations going on all around us. And because we're hardened, we're also stuck. We're stuck in a set ideology. We're uh, stuck in a set theology. We're uh, stuck in any number of ways. And the problem with being stuck is is that if we're talking about a, a conflict, a military conflict, when you're stuck, you are easy to take down. You are easy to drop. You are easy to conquer. And the reason you're easy to conquer is because you have lost the ability to be strategically flexible. So, in any situation, whether you're talking about entrepreneurship, building a restaurant, building a business, building a ministry, 
or, or whatever it may happen to be. When you are stuck, that means you are paralyzed. You, you cannot move. You cannot act. You cannot react because you are stuck in the zone of uh, paralysis. You can't react. You can't move. You can't go to the right. You can't go to the left. And what is especially needed in those confrontations is not only uh, allowing yourself and cultivating in yourself and those around you uh, an environment in which uh, fluidness is encouraged, when you're in an environment where uh, mobility is encouraged, that's that's going to determine to a large degree whether or not you're going to be victorious in your uh, spiritual warfare military confrontation. Because in life, when there's adversity or in warfare, such as spiritual warfare, uh, you're being opposed by an enemy, an enemy that has developed a strategy. And so when you're being opposed by an enemy, you marshal your strength, but you, you're, you get stuck. And so in, in that place of being stuck, you can't maneuver, you can't change directions, you can't dodge the bullets or, or, or whatever you want to call it. You're frozen. And in that state of being where you're frozen, that is when uh, the opposing armies, the opposing military force in spiritual warfare, they're going to wait until you're frozen. Uh, they're going to wait until you're nailed down. And then as you are frozen, as you are paralyzed, as you are immobilized, the enemy will strike with full force. And when the enemy strikes with full force, he or she or a group of people will collectively organize and unify their power, their energy, their strength, and their resources. And then they will strike, but when they strike you or attack you, they're going to do so with a very high level and unusual ability to bring you down because they're capitalizing on the fact that you're paralyzed, that you're stuck. It's kind of like trying to win a physical running race with uh, iron shackled to your feet. You're not going to run very far. You're basically paralyzed. So what is essential for Christians, especially in the world that we live in, what is essential, what is mandatory, what is necessary is that you learn how to be flexible. And when you get uh, that, that spectrum of external feedback, external uh, flexibility, when you start to receive uh, external feedback, and that external feedback is demanding of you a flexibility, a radical willingness to change so that you can win your spiritual battle. And if you can maintain uh, 
both a strong sense of purpose, a strong sense of ideology, and yet at the same time, as you maintain that, you also maintain a strong sense of being willing to be flexible uh, as you receive feedback. And to the degree that you're flexible is to the degree that you will win battle after battle after battle. So what happens throughout history, and that's the history of religion, but it's also the history of uh, Christianity and the history of other religions in the world, when these religions of the world exist in what we would call a fluid state, they are flexible. They are malleable, which means they can be be sculpted to to bend and, and twist in any particular direction. And so when you enter the battlefield with a strong point of view, and yet simultaneous to the strong point of view, you enter the battlefield with a flexibility, then you can overcome, then you can conquer. Now, conversely, if you allow yourself and your army to be frozen, to be stagnant, to be um, stuck, then when the enemy attacks you, because you are stuck, because you are stagnant, you will be attacked by the enemy, but you will be defeated. Because when the enemy pulls out its advanced weaponry, when, when the enemy maneuvers or outmaneuvers you, the enemy's intent is to take you down, to conquer you, to be victorious over you, and to win the battle. But again, the prerequisite for winning the battle is to not allow yourself to be stuck, to not allow yourself to be um, paralyzed by external forces. You have to be willing to bend, willing to be flexible, and willing to maneuver and position yourself at a high rate of speed. When you do that, you can be victorious in battle after battle and military confrontation after military confrontation. You can be victorious to the degree that you have made sure you've held, you've held yourself accountable to be flexible. And this is really kind of like military science 101. So right now, as we've said many times in the Paul McGuire Report, we are in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. And so the Church of Jesus Christ is not only the supernatural body of Christ, but the Church of Jesus Christ is uh, the supernatural body of Christ, the supernatural bride of Christ, and ideally, the Church of Jesus Christ is to maintain a flexibility to maintain a malleability, to maintain uh, uh, a lack of rigidness. And so in that fluid state, in, in, in the state of military readiness where you're willing to bend and be malleable and change shapes and react to external feedback, to, to, to the w willingness you have to do that, 
there's going to be a direct relationship between whether or not you experience ongoing victories in a series of ongoing battles. That's that's what it's all about. Now, when a nation, when a military, when a society, when a culture gets stuck, uh, stuck in the mud, stuck in the ice, stuck in the rocks or whatever, when any military, when any army allows itself to get stuck, the way that happens is that that military um, is receiving communication. It's receiving feedback, which is telling it that it needs to be flexible and, and malleable, and it needs to, to have a fluid state to it so that as, as the twists and turns in the battlefield environment occur, um, this army is not stuck. It's not rigid, because an army or a military that's stuck and rigid is one that is going to be destroyed and defeated, very, very, very simply. So the leaders of that military, of that army, must be vigilant and on their guard, and they need to, uh, with everything in them, hold themselves accountable to be flexible, malleable, shapeable, and to be willing to bend and stretch and maneuver so that it can react to the external stimuli, not be overwhelmed by the external stimuli, but uh, martial power, martial energy from a fluid state of flexibility in their particular battle zone. And then, yes, once again, to the degree that you're willing to maintain a fluid state of flexibility and malleability in the battlefield, that is to the degree that you will be fluid, but you will be fluid in such a way that you will win battle after battle after battle. Okay, so you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. We're bringing you this information because this is essential information to understand and to master when you're in the middle of an all-out spiritual war between two opposing sides. And in order to win that war, you must be malleable, you must be flexible, and you must be willing to be responsive to the uh, feedback that is presented to you and your army. And when you're in a, a military body, you're constantly receiving feedback. And the feedback could be positive or negative. But when you hear the feedback, the, the goal in hearing the feedback is, is not to be double-minded, but the goal in hearing the feedback is to uh, be malleable, flexible, etc., so that you can uh, gain the truth from uh, the, the state of being of your military force. And, and to the degree that you assimilate that truth, or to the degree that you allow that truth to sculpt you, to shape you, then your uh, vitality and superiority as a military force um, 
continues to escalate, and you become more powerful and more powerful and more powerful because you're bendable, you're flexible, you're malleable. And in that state of being, of not being rigid, you can win battles, even though it appears you can't. You can win battle after battle after battle, and you can be victorious. So what are we saying here? When we look at history, and we see a nation, we see a culture, we see a military, we see a society, we see a religious movement, even a Christian religious movement, the minute you, no- you notice the warning signs of the sapping of your energy, the minute you observe the warning signs uh, of uh, managing a military which is devolving into getting stuck, devolving into rigidity, devolving into uh, a lack of flexibility. The minute you see those warning signs, you have a choice. You can deny the feedback, or you can be humble, accept the feedback, be proactive, and make the necessary choices ahead of time to be malleable, to be flexible, uh, to be willing to be sculpted, willing to be shaped and changed, willing to grow. If you're in that, that state of mind where you're willing to grow, <clears throat> then you can move forward aggressively and defeat your enemies. Then you can be. Uh, more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and then you can be victorious. It's a simple process, but you have to be willing to be flexible. Now, when a military, when a culture, when a a Christian religious movement or uh, a Christian ministry um, or the values, the goals, the agendas, the intentions of a Christian ministry When they start to be depleted of the life force, when they start to devolve, uh, and you're observant and paying attention like you should be, you will notice that uh, a lack of vitality, a lack of power, um, a lack of energy starts to uh, take over that entity. That spiritual army, it starts to take over that spiritual army, and you become like a victim frozen in time. And then, when you're a victim frozen in time, you can't quickly maneuver as you need to in order to win the victories and to order to win the battles. So, this happens to corporations, it happens to restaurant chains, it happens to militaries, it happens to retail chains, it happens to entrepreneurs. This is, a, this is an ongoing challenge and an ongoing dynamic in any sphere of activity that requires that you pay attention and that you're willing to react aggressively and appropriately in order to win your battle. So, let's take the Christian culture. The Christian culture, we have a certain series of givens in the Christian culture that that 
these are givens and these are disciplines that we should be using on an ongoing basis. And to summarize them, it, it means we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit or filled with the dunamis power uh, from on high of the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Word of God to speak to us freshly on an ongoing basis. We need to allow the Word of God to sculpt us and change us and mold us so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. That's the only way we're going to be victorious against the very powerful armies of the armies of darkness. So when the armies of darkness come to attack us and come to destroy us, the first thing we have to do is function like watchmen on the wall. And how do watchmen on the wall function? They function by first and foremost being acutely aware of the changes in their external environment and the changes uh, going on in their um, sphere of operation. And so when they start to, to, to deteriorate, when they start to degrade, one of the first things you'll notice is a lack of flexibility, uh, a lack of malleability, uh, a lack of being willing to be shaped and sculpted and molded in order that the Lord can sculpt you into, more, into a more efficient fighting spiritual military um, army, spiritual army. Now, when you, as the supernatural body of Christ, begin to get stuck, you begin to be uh, rigid, you, you begin to lose your ability to be malleable, you move from a fluid, dynamic, flexible, agile, I can turn on a dime, I can react and create new battle plans strategically and decisively, you start to uh, move away from that into a position of rigidity and being stuck, and you lose the ability to be flexible. So when you're in that place, when you're not willing to be flexible, when you translate that, that means you are no longer willing to be teachable. You are no longer willing to be transformed. You are no longer willing to be uh, shaped and molded by your Heavenly Father. You are, in effect, stuck uh, in whatever rigid environment the Lord has placed you in. You're stuck. You're in a place of rigidity, and you can't maneuver. You can't be flexible. And ultimately, you're going to lose the wars in the battlefield that God has placed you in. You're going to start losing, and the, and the root reason that you're going to start losing is you've lost your God-given ability to be flexible, malleable, bendable, and shapeable. Okay, so how do we tighten up the focus uh, of what God wants to teach us? God wants to teach us something right now. That's why we're going over this. And the way God wants to teach us something is he wants to speak to us proactively 
before we enter the battlefield. And God wants to shape us and mold us and use us in uh, the flexible state where we can still be proactive. So that requires, number one, that we cultivate a high degree of uh, receptiveness to external teachings, external wisdom, external examples versus being rigid and being slaughtered. So let's let's take a principle. God is the creator. God created heaven and earth. God created mankind. God gave his people, Christians, a, a very strong outline of behavior and thinking known as the Ten Commandments. Now, as long as we operate under the wisdom and the covering of the Ten Commandments, that increases the probability that we will be victorious in battle after battle. But if we have an improper relationship with the Ten Commandments and we flow and slide into rigidity, a lack of flexibility, where we're no longer bendable, we're no longer shapeable, then incrementally and slowly, we're setting ourselves up uh, for a very dangerous position, which is we're setting ourselves up to be slaughtered, to be defeated, to be um, uh, destroyed and sent into captivity. And God does not, that's not the will of God for his people. So what do we do? We have to use a twofold approach. We have to be in submission to the Word of God, because the Word of God is without error. It's flexible, it's shapeable, but the Word of God is not bendable in the sense of the Word of God will not change uh, its truth. The Word of God will not change its truth every time it encounters. A, an, an obstacle. The Word of God will not change its truth. So if God's Word says, Thou shall not lie, we are not supposed to lie. And when we find ourselves in different situations, we keep going back to the basic foundational truth, which is this is a new battle, but we're not supposed to lie. We stay on course. Now, staying on course and not lying, one of the Ten Commandments, is not uh, a lack of flexibility. Uh, Staying on course and not lying is obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's not confuse flexibility with disobedience and things like lying, because they're two different things. We're to be proactive. We are to be uh, bendable, shapeable, malleable, but we must always remember it's a two-fold battle. On one hand, we're, we're willing to be a living sacrifice. We're willing to be molded and shaped by the Lord. But on the other hand, with just as much significance, we are to be soldiers of the light in which we. Um, allow the Lord to mold us and shape us 
from battlefield situation to battlefield situation. So the two things appear to be contradictory, but with a little bit of wisdom, they can be utilized properly and effectively and victoriously simultaneously. So we move forward with faith in Jesus Christ, expecting victory, but at the same time, we incorporate the steadfast truths that the Lord has embedded in our personality over a series of years. The Lord has instilled in us proactive truths that may appear to be rigid. They may be appear to be rigid. They may appear to be not malleable or not shapeable. But that's not true. That is absolutely not true. The Lord is calling us to enter a spiritual battle with the intentionality of having us be victorious, but we're supposed to operate that on the basis of surrendering our wills to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, to being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we play that out uh, until we are victorious. And that extends to countless situations in life. And the, the, the constant, the constant is not rigidity. The constant is not a lack of fluidness. The constant is not the, the loss of uh, malleability or, or, or being shaped and sculpted. The constant is the integrity and the truth of God's word. The constant is that we are the sons and daughters of God, and as such, we are commanded by God to be flexible, uh, to be malleable, to be shapeable, and to, to be willing to react in a flexible way to the commandments of God. That's, that's the intention, and that's the goal. Okay. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. We'll be back in just a moment with more truth about how you can be effective in spiritual warfare, more truth in how you can win spiritual battles, more truth in in how you can incorporate uh, spiritual truths for spiritual battles. Yet at the same time you incorporate those truths, you do not disobey the Word of God. You do not disobey the commandments of God. So visit paulmcguire.us, that's paulmcguire.us, and we'll be back in just a moment on how to be victorious in spiritual warfare. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. This is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. One of the things that we've been talking about regarding spiritual warfare and winning spiritual warfare is the need to be flexible and to resist being rigid, which creates a kind of uh, paralysis. And when Christians enter a spiritual state of paralysis, they ultimately become defeated in spiritual warfare. Many years ago, uh, this is when I was first saved, because as you know, I was an atheist and involved in the counterculture and all kinds of stuff. And, but, but Christians had an, an expression way back then. 
And the <laughs> the expression was the frozen chosen, which I think is still relevant. And and the idea behind using the expression the frozen chosen was that uh, this referred to Christians who knew that they were chosen by God theolo- theologically uh, to be uh, saved. They knew that they were predestined to be the sons and daughters of God theologically. But even though they knew uh, that they were chosen by God uh, to be joint heirs with Jesus, even though they knew that uh, in terms of a theological precept, the reality was the way they lived their lives exemplified paralysis, spiritual deadness, and that's why they were called the frozen chosen. On one hand, theologically, they understood the the concept that they were called by God before the beginning of the world to be here for such a time as this, which is a good thing. But on the other hand, simultaneously, they had become stuck and rigid in that truth. They were no longer malleable. They were no longer open to the, the, the sculpting of the Holy Spirit. They were no longer open to to being impregnated uh, in your mind with the seeds of God's truth and inspiration. So they entered the awkward world or the awkward limbo of becoming the frozen chosen. Their doctrine was right. Their theology was right. And we applaud them for that. But they were of little use to the Lord God because they were the frozen chosen. They were not open to being corrected by God, to be to be given new ideas by God. So the end result was they were stuck in the sand or stuck in the mud for Jesus. And thus they bared little or no fruit. Uh, souls weren't being saved. Ministries weren't being born. Because even though theologically... Uh, they they understood the fundamental truths. They inadvertently ended up being part of the, the frozen chosen, and being part of the frozen chosen. Uh, and I'm trying to restrain myself from laughing. Being part of the frozen chosen is not a good place to be if you want to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's revisit this. You can take any corporation in America. It used to be a company. I don't know if it's still in business. Mrs. Fields Cookies. At the time, she opened that cookie franchise in shopping malls all over America. At that time, it was revolutionary, and she made probably hundreds of millions of dollars just selling freshly baked chocolate chip uh, oatmeal raisin cookies. And women and men, you know, it was inexpensive, and it was a great snack, and she made millions and millions of dollars. Now, She could have gone on from victory to victory making those cookies and making millions of dollars, but she became, in the cookie business, um, what they call in uh, biblical business, for lack of a better word, she became part of the frozen chosen. She was probably one of the first people. I mean, there were lots of coffee shops like Starbucks and stuff around. But she became one of the first people to be an entrepreneur 
and launch out into the cookie business where her basic product line was fresh chocolate chip oatmeal raisin cookies that were delicious. She didn't need coffee. She just specialized on the cookies. And then, as many people do in that kind of business, they begin to sell franchises. And that really stimulates the cash flow. Because then, somebody walking through the the mall, and at that time, if you could come up with probably $75,000 to $100,000, you could buy into her franchise of chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin cookies. And so she made a fortune. But as time went by, um, a, a repetitive cycle, which often emerges in, in business, began to happen to Mrs. Fields. Her, her cookie sales went down and down and down. Now, she may be doing great. It's just where I live, I don't see uh, any more um, Mrs. Fields chocolate chip cookies. And I'm willing to stand corrected, but I don't see any. And so I, I'm making the assumption, maybe I shouldn't make an assumption, that they went out of business. How could they go out of business? They were a thriving business. They had no competition. This is how they went out of business. They violated the same laws of business that everybody else violates, who ends up going out of business and ends up going bankrupt. She went from superstar, super success, to a failing company, as far as I know, and bankruptcy. How did this happen? Well, this is how it happened. She violated the basic rules of spiritual warfare, which are the same basic rules as being a a cookie entrepreneur. And that is, she stopped paying attention with a critical eye to what her competition was doing. Then she got stuck in a rut. And she stopped being competitive to her. She wasn't even noticing her competitors in the cookie business. So she was violating some very, very serious entrepreneurial and marketing principles. And then finally, I began to see fewer and fewer of Mrs. Field's cookie shops. And then finally, I assumed she went bankrupt because I couldn't find any Mrs. Fields cookie shops. It was like she went out of business completely. But again, how did that happen? She violated those principles. She stopped being malleable, which means she stopped as a corporation being willing to be moldable, shapeable, to change, to keep up with the latest developments among your competitors. She stopped being willing to act to proactively shape and mold her company proactively ahead of time. And she began to emotionally, psychologically, or whatever, disconnect mentally from her business. So she was not on top of her business. She was not flexible. She was not moldable, shapeable. She wasn't willing to be proactive and innovate and adapt, et cetera, et cetera. She kind of took her business for granted, and then she committed the, the big, big sin in business, 
which is she started to run her business on autopilot, you know, like like zombie management style. And uh, she stopped without realizing it because this creeps up subtly in your business and your life. Without realizing it, she began to um, uh, back off her cutting edge dynamic approach to her business. And it began to lessen, 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 and her profits and her sales went down and down and down. Now, what can we learn from this? Those same mistakes that inevitably create business failure, bankruptcy, going out of business, your competitors taking over the market, um, that same downward spiral in business practices um, happened to her, and all of it could have been avoided. She could have avoided the failure, the bankruptcy, and the loss of her market share. She could have avoided all of that if she, if she had simply disciplined herself and her employees to stay in the game. But instead, she committed the unpardonable sin of business, which was she began to um, become rigid, not malleable, not shapeable. And as she became rigid, she stopped having that heightened awareness of uh, what her competitors in the cookie business were doing. Because while she was sleeping, they were pressing ahead. They were innovating new products within their cookie stores, like like orange juice and like the uh, breakfast pastries. And the competition was like constantly innovating, constantly dreaming up new ways of making sales and increasing profit. And on top of that, her big competitors like um, uh, Starbucks, her mega competitor. They looked across the street and they saw, wow, Mrs. Fields, you know, she used to have people lined up in the morning to buy her cookies, but she's fallen asleep at the wheel and she's no longer, no longer has the eye of the tiger. And as such, uh, she's losing money. And we see, uh, Starbucks said, we see an opportunity. We already have the stores. We already have the great coffee. We already have the infrastructure. We're ready to rock and roll. And then I imagine that the people who ran Starbucks said, this, it's going to be nothing for us to start selling freshly baked cookies. I mean, the startup capital on that kind of business transition is next to nothing. So uh, Starbucks began to make their own version of Mrs. Fields' cookies, warm out of the oven. Mmm, delicious. I can think about it even now. Warm out of the oven, Starbucks began to bake freshly baked cookies, and they took over Mrs. Field's market share because she wasn't paying attention. She was stuck. She was rigid. And she wasn't playing to win. And this can happen to churches, to ministries, to businesses. It can happen to your personal life. And, and then, you know, I'm going to rock the boat here. For some of you, because you need to have the boat rocked. There are people listening to me right now where your marriage 
is, is very slowly beginning to enter a downward spiral. I'm talking to both women and I'm talking to men. And I'm also talking to single women and single men. You've stopped paying attention to the external feedback. You're making the same mistakes as Mrs. Fields and all these other companies. You are not uh, romancing your wife or your husband as you did in the early days of dating. You've gone into cruise control. And without realizing it, you've allowed your marriage relationship And many of you were crying out to God day and night, asking God to provide you with a husband or wife. Well, he provided you with a husband or a wife, but you fell into a rut. You got stuck in the mud, and now your marriage, I'm speaking to both men and women, is somewhat pro forma. It's routine, and it's it's kind of dead, to be honest. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen to you. But I am saying this, in today's world, and we all know what today's world is like, in today's world, um, you've got to step up to the plate. So when you begin to take your husband or your wife uh, for granted, and you get stuck in the rut uh, and stop doing all the tender, loving things you did when you were wooing her or wooing him, guess what? I'm going to tell you the truth. And you'll thank me for it later. You and I both know that as for the male, there's a Susie Q somewhere who has her eyes on your husband. And she's doing all those nice little things and saying those little praises and stuff. She's doing all that. She's not stuck in the rug. And then for, for, for all the Christian men out there, you know, you take your wife for granted. You forgot to compliment her and praise her and do all the things that a man should do uh, who wants to keep his wife. And so you're neglecting your wife and you're neglecting your husband. And the consequence is that you're stuck in a rut. And if you're not careful, I'm talking to both the women and the men. If you're not careful, if you're not proactive, if you don't start Uh, opening your eyes to the external warning signals, there is a possibility, I'm not saying tomorrow or the next day, it could be tomorrow or the next day, but the possibility is coming your way. I don't know how fast. Or you could potentially lose your husband or your wife because you forgot to do all the loving, caring, sensitive things that you used to do when you were first dating him or her and you were going the extra mile, you got stuck in a rut. You, you allowed, with an act of your will, for your marriage to get stale. And that's a bad thing, because as we've said, come on, we're all adults here. Because you've allowed your marriage to get stale, the fact of the matter is, if you're a woman, there's a Susie Q out there, and she's got her eye on your husband, and she isn't forgetting to compliment him and, and do all those niceties and praises and stuff that, that, that affirm a man. Okay? And, and maybe nothing's going to happen. You may have a strong husband. 
But maybe if you keep ignoring the situation, maybe a divorce or, God forbid, an affair could happen. And guess what? You could have avoided it if you hadn't been stuck, if you'd started to pay attention to what was going on. You could have prevented it through proactive action. And now let's go over to the man. Your wife is an attractive woman. You may uh, not think she's an attractive woman anymore. But let me tell you something. You better open your eyes, like, real quick. Because there's men all over the place, especially as she works. You may not think she's attractive. But I'm telling you right now, they think she's a knockout. That your wife is a knockout. And so they're being charming and complimentary and, and, and praising her and being sensitive to her, et cetera, et cetera. They're not stuck in a rut. And they're treating your wife like you forgot to treat your wife when you were dating her. So here's my warning to you. This principle that is biblical, if you would be proactive, like right now that you've heard the principle, you could spare yourself a whole lot of grief and pain. That's to the men and that's to the women. All you have to do is take care of business like you used to do when you were first dating her. So this is a principle that works in all kinds of areas of life. Now, when it comes to spiritual things, taking our nation back for Jesus Christ, winning souls to Jesus Christ, building a ministry for Jesus Christ, and all the other things. Those things start to bear fruit when you pour your energy, your sensitivity, your passion into doing those things, and you start to do what you did in the first place, but somehow you forgot how to do it. And what you used to do in the first place was that you used to be prayed up. You used to meditate in the Word of God. You used to keep praying until the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fill you. And so everything that you did was anointed because the anointing of the Holy Spirit was was pouring out of you like a gusher well, and you were supernaturally sensitive, supernaturally productive, Etc., etc., and the blessing of God was on you. So let's summarize this. What happened to Mrs. Fields' cookies? And by the way, my favorite cookies back then was not Mrs. Fields. My favorite back then was the original famous Amos cookies. My style of cookie was the chocolate chip cookies with the, the pecans in them, famous Amos style. He used to be a Hollywood agent. Times were bad, and so he would go to office to office in Hollywood selling his chocolate chip pecan cookies to the secretaries, and then they were so turned on by his cookies that they told all their movie star clients, and the next thing you know, the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But then they sold the franchise to a giant food retailer, and last I heard, the the cookie quality quality uh, slid down. So what's the lesson here? The lesson here is that you can't slack off. If you've won, great. But if you want to continue to win, you've got to continue to be 
diligent in the spiritual battle. So, so the rule is in spiritual warfare, you can't slack off. I mean, you can, but when you slack off, the enemy is waiting to take your land, and he will. He'll take your land, your lunch, your wife, your husband, your job, and everything you got. Understood? Right now, America is in the greatest danger it's ever been. I talk to you about it constantly because it's a burden from the Holy Spirit that the Lord has put on my heart. And it's not complicated why we have lost the battle so far for the hearts and minds of mankind in America and other nations. We have been losing the battle because we got stuck in a rut. We have been losing the battle because we stopped praying. We stopped reading the Word of God. We stopped winning souls to Christ. We stopped allowing God to speak to us, and we stopped allowing God to give us fresh, vital, bold, anointed ideas that will win souls and give us victory. You see, this principle that I'm sharing with you works in every area of your life. Ministry, desert, and saving your marriage from divorce. You know how many times as a minister I have to counsel people getting a divorce constantly? And I have to tell you that there are some guys and some women, I'm being honest with you, that are such complete selfish jerks that there's not much that the person can do to save their marriage. Okay? But then I counsel with an awful lot of people who have taken their spouses for granted. I counsel with a whole lot of people who have given up on their marriage. They're stuck in a rut. They don't treat their spouse with the romance and the sensitivity and love that they used to when they were first dating. And so as a consequence of the the woman or the man taking her husband for granted or taking his wife for granted, well, the worst happened. That's not what God wants for your life. That's not what God wants your children to see. Now, I'm not, I want to finish this correctly. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to beat you up. Okay? I'm not. I'm here to tell you, uh, depending upon your situation, that there is a high possibility, again, depending upon your situation, I'm here to tell you there's a high possibility that if you will begin to pray fervently, and if you will begin to, to do what God tells you to do, and if you will begin under the anointing and an act of your will to romance and win back your husband or wife, that there's a high percentage that you can win back your husband or wife. And that romance and that blessing will be on your marriage once again. And I'm also here to tell you, whether it's your ministry, your business, America, Whatever God's given you to take care of, in other words, whatever land God has given you to conquer and to occupy, God will give you the wisdom, the strategy, the blessing, and the anointing to win the spiritual battle for the land that you're occupying. So I want to leave on a victorious note. And I want to tell you this straight from the heart because what I'm telling you now, this is how I live. This is how I live. This is um, this is it. So let me just shoot straight from the heart. God says nothing is impossible with God. So let's start with that. 
whatever your thing is, nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with God. The other thing is, repent of getting stuck in the mud. Repent of uh, taking your spouse, your ministry, or whatever for granted. Repent. And ask God to fill you freshly with his Holy Spirit. Admit to God what you've done that was wrong. And, and get on it. Be proactive. Get on it. And if you will do that immediately, again, it depends on your situation, but if you will do that immediately, I promise you, there is a high probability, a high possibility that you can win back the land, whether it's your spouse or ministry or business or whatever, marriage, there's a high possibility that you can win back the land because it's your land. The devil stole it from you because you were sleeping. But he can also give you victory. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Paul